0: Hey, everybody, if you would open your Bibles, please, to 2 Timothy, Chapter 4. We'll look at the first five verses. As you're turning there, I want to tell you that uh, Mary Beth and I, if you didn't know, have been trying to eat a little healthier this year, which includes, for us, eating a lot more vegetables. And uh, if you didn't know, vegetables, for as long as people have cared about nutrition, have generally been considered good for you, right? And that is wisdom that has been passed down from one generation to the next. Eat your vegetables. Uh, Something else that's been passed down, it seems like through every generation, is our propensity to not want to eat vegetables, right? Um, We struggle to eat vegetables, and I, I think that's probably because calling to us from the next aisle over in the grocery store is the ice cream, and a couple, Isles down from that is calling to us uh, the chips, right? So kind of trying to get the best of both worlds in the past, Mary Beth and I, we've kind of searched for those miraculous food products that can claim to both uh, satisfy our, our taste buds and help us maintain good health at the same time. And so depending on the diet, I've eaten everything from bacon to aspartame for my health. Right. Uh, But when it comes right down to it, I don't think there's actually a way to cheat the system. I need to eat more vegetables. And that's what we're trying to do. We're doing it because we believe that long term, it's better for our health and not just for our health, but it's better for our enjoyment in life. And hopefully for me, the salt lover, I'll be less likely to be impaired by a stroke. Right. And Mary Beth, the sugar lover will be less likely to um, get diabetes and start losing limbs. So we think that the way that we're eating is truly better for us, even if that's not always what our taste buds want. I think you can understand that, right? Um, By the way, I've learned recently that we can actually eat things that taste very good and are healthy at the same time, if you have a good recipe and if you season things well, then vegetables can actually be enjoyable, believe it or not, I've learned. And I didn't know it till very recently, but um, I'm enjoying vegetables much, much more than I ever have before. And I thank God for the variety of flavors that he provides to us from the ground. And I thank God for my wife, who is learning to feature those flavors in our meals. So, um let's jump in here we are nearing the end of our letter to second timothy our letter of second timothy and we're starting to talk um still about this idea of passing along the sound doctrine or the healthy teaching of the word of god so let's read uh, chapter 4 starting in verse 1 paul says i charge you timothy in the presence of god and of christ jesus who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not, have, will not endure sound teaching, but will have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths." As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So that starts with, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and by his kingdom. To charge somebody here is is like he's, he's having Timothy to take an oath, or there's transferring power from one person to another. Paul, as we've said, is about to die. So this is kind of a changing of the guard, according to one commentator, Gordon Fee. And we know that Paul's ministry here is coming to an end, and Timothy is kind of being sworn in. So Paul says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. Maybe you've seen somebody sworn into office uh, as they kind of place their hand on the Bible. That's supposed to be very meaningful, but anymore it just it's kind of a formality now, it feels like. But Paul says, In the presence of of God and of Christ Jesus. So Timothy, the the sovereign God and his son, the king of the universe, is hearing this charge. We are in his presence. Your life is on display for God now to see. So this isn't just a formality. God is watching. God is hearing this. And not only are we in the presence of God and of King Jesus, but he will judge the living and the dead, or everyone he will judge. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or for evil. We will give an account to God who is present for our faithfulness to him in what he's charged us with. And if that bothers you, the idea of being judged as a Christian because you've been told, well, we'll only be judged solely on the righteousness of Christ, then let's talk. That's kind of a whole nother conversation, but seriously, I'd love to talk about that because that as well... Um, these things are both true. So not only will he judge everyone, and it's not just in the distant, distant future, it's that we don't even have to think about it, it's so far off, but we see that we uh, Timothy's being charged by his appearing in his kingdom. The sense of that by his appearing is, is like in view of his appearing. So that God, that King Jesus, who's with us in spirit now, is about to appear again to us, As judge and when he comes so does his eternal kingdom um, which is his perfected glorious kingdom where Jesus reigns forever so that's that's the beginning here the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom so in light of all of that Timothy here's what I'm charging you to do and verse 2 preach the word be ready in season and out of season reprove rebuke and exhort with complete patience and teaching." So what's the charge? There's three words here, preach the word. Now don't immediately call to your mind some guy in a suit, you know, standing at a big wooden pulpit, right? That's not what Paul and Timothy were picturing. Preach, and that means publicly proclaim. And the word means message, or specifically the message that Paul's been talking about here the entire letter, Um, In chapter one, he says it's the testimony of our Lord, or it's the, um, also in chapter one, it's the good news about how Jesus has abolished death and he offers life, That, that good deposit. Publicly proclaim that message, preach the word, both to those, it can mean to those who already believe and those who don't believe. And he says, do that in season, be ready in season and out of season. Or at opportune times, And inopportune times the NET translation says whether it's convenient or not convenient for Timothy or convenient for those he's preaching to either one be ready at all times and then it's followed by three words we had a little discussion about these three words briefly at LCLA on Sunday awesome to be with you guys Um, reprove rebuke exhort to reprove I found that Greek word means to, to convict or to, to tell of something that's wrong. It's probably referring to the false teachings and, and teachers that we've been uh, hearing about. A good word replacement for it is refute. Okay, we're, we're calling it out for being wrong. Rebuke is to command or to admonish, saying, you hear that? Don't do that. And then Exhort, the last word, is is just to strongly kind of urge somebody to come along. It's more of an invitation to follow. So it's kind of maybe these three steps with those three words. Call out and confront the false teaching. Admonish people to turn away from it and urge people to follow the true teaching. Okay? Now, those words sound really confrontational, but look at the manner uh, by which Timothy is supposed to reprove, rebuke, and exhort. It says, with complete patience, and teaching. So Timothy isn't supposed to freak out about these things and get yelling match, but to be patient and give consistent, sound teaching. Why? Verse 3. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. So a time is coming. Uh, this might be an example of Paul, what he had just said, there are inopportune times to preach the word. Maybe this is the out of season time that he's talking about. And the time can be really any time. It's, it's like when you say, hey, if you haven't experienced this yet, it's coming. So it's, it's like the but not, uh, not if, but when kind of a statement. So in this coming and maybe now here inopportune time, Then he goes on to describe what that time is going to be like. But in that time, continue to be ready to proclaim that message. Well, it goes on to talk about these people who won't endure sound teaching. Who are these people? The people with ears that that itch. The people that are turning away from listening to the truth. We had asked the question also on Sunday at LCLA, are those people who are inside the church or those people who are outside the church? And I think we can just kind of look at the phrases even in our English translation and see what we're dealing with here. It's people in verse 3 that do not endure sound teaching. They will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths in verse 4. So it sounds to me, just looking at it on the surface here, that these are people who are or who were in the church and they don't continue in the sound teaching. They turn away from something they one time listened to or they're wandering off from a path that they were once on. You can see that in there. So, Timothy, this will be coming from within your churches, Paul is saying. And here's what's coming. People will get tired of listening to your sound teaching. People will have itching ears. They're they're bored maybe with what you're offering and they're looking for a, a scratch of something more sensational or Novel or spicy right or what William Mounts calls doctrinal fads. They're just out seeking those things They will amass for themselves teachers to suit their own passions or lusts and They'll turn away from the truth and wander off into myths. These are the myths being taught in Ephesus these kind of speculative Imaginative novel kind of reinterpretations of scripture This is the the diet food that tastes good and it might help you lose a few pounds, but it gives you cancer, right? Because of the aspartame. So definitely this sounds like what Paul is describing, an inopportune time to be a preacher. So when you're facing these things, be ready, preach the word. And and he goes on to talk about what Timothy's supposed to do. And even in light of these coming kind of exodus of people who are wandering away from the truth of his teaching, he says in verse five, as For you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So Timothy, be sober-minded, think soundly about things, endure suffering. I think we can assume from the context that there will be suffering for those who hold to proclaiming sound doctrine. Do the work of an evangelist. Uh, An evangelist is just one who preaches the gospel, the message, and fulfill your ministry. So this here is is coming near the end of Paul's admonishment to Timothy in this letter. And it kind of brings us back, if you remember, to the the start of the book. In chapter 1, verse 6, we read uh, that Paul is calling Timothy to fan the flame of the gift of God that had been given to him. Um, I mentioned back in that first teaching or second teaching um, that the idea of fan the flame is to kind of rekindle the fire of his ministry. Like this campfire, it has kind of started to die down and it needs to be stoked back up into a blaze. If you remember, we were saying Timothy probably is feeling a lot of discouragement at this point in his ministry because he's been at it for a while. Things apparently have gotten hard in Ephesus and Paul is having to write even a second letter here to Timothy that's addressing the same things that the first letter addressed. So Paul um, in chapter one was saying, hey, don't let the fire die down, stoke it up. And then here at the end, he's still saying, hey, Timothy, be steadfast. Fulfill that same ministry. Timothy had been given a a service to accomplish. And, and, And listen to this. He'd been given a ministry to accomplish, and it was to be accomplished regardless of the response to his ministry. He's supposed to complete it Regardless of the response of his listeners. Because false teachers will infiltrate the church. They'll, they'll creep into homes. Paul's telling them this is going to happen. They're going to capture people with their deceptive theology. Still yet, Timothy, proclaim the message. There's going to be persecution that's come and will continue to come. Still yet, proclaim the message. There's going to be evil people, we read, that are going from bad to worse. Still yet, proclaim the message. Even people in the church we're reading today are going to abandon the truth of this historic faith that Timothy's trying to pass on to them in Timothy's face, but proclaim the message. So keep a level head, endure, keep preaching, just do the ministry that he's been called to do. Don't give up. Don't think, hey, something must be going wrong because of this response. Don't freak out. Don't change course and think you need to go on a different mission all of a sudden. Just be faithful to your call. This is your responsibility with God and with Christ as our witness and our judge. Not the response of the people to your message, but that you protect and you pass along this sound, healthy, good message about Jesus, how he's abolished death and he offers life in his kingdom. So this is. Once again, the passing of a baton from Paul to Timothy. And considering what we know about Paul and his life and his impending death that we've talked about, he has the experience to speak like this, right? Because Paul could be thinking at many points in his ministry, hey, something must be wrong. Look what's happened to me. I'm in prison. But no, um, as we'll see next week, he's saying, follow me, Timothy. Before God, I myself have fulfilled my ministry. Now you, before God and Christ, fulfill yours. I charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, proclaim that message. So to end, let's just consider three um, kind of perspectives that we can look at this passage from. The first perspective, maybe this is the most direct perspective or the one that was written specifically um, here in the letter from Paul to Pastor Timothy. That perspective would tell us and tell preachers really to be ready at all times to proclaim the message. Now, I'll add, this could be a depressing kind of letter for Timothy to receive, I would imagine. Be ready to preach during the inopportune times that are coming uh, when those in your very church will stop listening to you. Preach the word. It kind of reminds me of the charge that God gives to the prophet Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 1, it says, The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, here it is, Jeremiah, Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word. Sound familiar? Preach the word. And say, hear the word of the Lord, all you men of Judah. He goes on to say to the people, this is what you're supposed to say, amend your ways and your deeds. And he goes on and he lists all sorts of truths that Israel should live by and warnings if they don't. So God says, you shall speak all these words to them then listen, but they will not listen to you. God called Jeremiah to proclaim a message that wouldn't be received, and Paul's telling Timothy here, preach the word in all seasons, including this season that's going to come when people won't listen to the truth. And I wonder if some of us might need to hear this perspective. Maybe we're not all preachers like Timothy, but we are all sowers of the word of God. And when the message is falling on deaf ears around us, maybe it's a message that Um, we fear is boring or outdated or not as intriguing as other messages that we've heard or other teachers. But still yet, never stop proclaiming that word. I think what Paul is telling Timothy uh, is relevant to us, even as not all of us are pastors. But no matter what the outcome of the proclamation of the word of God, whether a good season or bad season, keep preaching. God wants your obedience in this not for you to change the message in order to get the outcome or the listeners that you want. So that's the first kind of perspective because all of us are sowers of the word of God. Keep at it no matter the outcome, very similar to what Paul is telling Timothy. Second perspective is I would just ask you to consider the teachers of the word in your life and to extend to those teachers a lot of grace because listen, not only will they be, like James says in chapter three of James, they'll not only be judged with greater strictness But they will likely come upon times like Timothy when people won't listen to them. And they will have to preach anyway. Sometimes a message that just seems futile. And as a preacher myself, I can tell you, uh, many people will want to have their ears scratched. And that is tiring. And that's why Paul is telling Timothy, you've got to keep going. And I'll also say it's a temptation when preaching and teaching the Word of God to try to be clever or more sensational or to say something that you've never heard before to kind of tickle your ears or to um, compete with other preachers, right? And I can probably get more YouTube views if I tell of something new or or divisive um, than if I preach a 2,000-year-old message. But I'm not going to do it because if I'm preaching something that is has never been heard before, then I won't be preaching the truth, but I'll be preaching myths. So I just ask you to cut your pastors a break, those who teach you the word. In the first letter to Timothy, Paul tells him, let the elders who rule, those who are gonna be teaching you, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. It's hard, it's a hard job. And if it's done well, then you may lose as many followers as you gain. So um, we, we try at local church fellowship those who are teaching here, not to teach what's new, but true, okay? And so we want to give that to you, trying to be faithful to the Word of God here. Just a third perspective now, and finally, um, again, for those who would listen to the preaching of the Word of God, is this. I think we can pull this from this passage. Don't just listen to teachers who say the things you want to hear. Paul says in this Chapter they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions now if that isn't relevant in our podcast inundated world I don't know what is because isn't it tempting for us to have our ears scratched do you decide on the teachers you listen to and the various sources because they agree with your perspective it's so easy to do Um, but do you remember what Paul said at the end of the last chapter what scripture is good for listen it's good for reproof for correction for training in righteousness. Those things don't tickle our ears. The faithful preacher of the word is gonna use scripture we see in this passage to reprove, to rebuke, to exhort. So don't look for Bible teaching that suits your own passions, that entertains you. In fact, if if the Bible always says what you want it to say, then you are either Jesus (laughs) or you're listening to bad teachers. Instead, let's let scripture do its job, let it teach you, reprove you, correct you, train you, and listen to those teachers who, with patience, feed you what is healthy, not just what you want to eat in the moment. And I'll bet, in time, those vegetables actually start tasting good. And I'm sure that they will lead us to abundant life.